Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me once more to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. Hear now the word of the living God. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river. How long? How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river. When he held up his hand, his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. And I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end. For you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. This is the word of the living God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Lord, now is the appointed hour for we, your people, to sit beneath your word We pray that in this time you might encourage our weary souls, strengthen our assurance, grant faith to those who yet do not believe in the Son. We pray that the glorious conclusion of this Old Testament book, which preaches Christ, be used this day in our souls. Help us now, both in the preaching and in the hearing of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We began this series in the book of Daniel by asking several questions. One of them was this. What does it look like for God's people to live in exile? I don't know if you remember that question months ago, but we made the case that Daniel is a wonderful picture of what it looks like for God's people who are living as pilgrims and strangers, as exiles in a foreign land. You remember, if you were with us back then, or if you know the things of this book, that God's people of the Old Covenant had broken covenant with God and as part of His chastisement, He sent them off into exile. Through prophets like Jeremiah, there were words that this was going to happen, and it did. And they lived for some 70 years in exile in Babylon. But one of the things that we see as an answer to the question of what does it look like to live in exile is the words or are the words that we read in the very last few verses of the entire book. Go your way until the end. 
for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. You see, brothers and sisters, God was indeed very kind to the old covenant people to give them his words through the prophet Daniel to let them know what was to come. So we saw Daniel's life and the life of his friends for six chapters. Things like lion's dens and fiery furnaces and not compromising when it seemed as though the powers of the world would press hard on you to do so. But then God in his kindness for the last six chapters, chapters 7 through 12, has given words and repeatedly those words point to the hope of the coming Christ in the face of living in exile. Just to quickly review, you remember that in all of these chapters, there are multiple pictures, some with animals, some with statues, some with pictures of kings ping-ponging back and forth. But the general thrust would be that from Daniel's time until the first coming of Christ, the people of God would return to the promised land. The temple would be rebuilt. The city would be set up. There would be great turmoil and great trial. In fact, some leaders would come and lead many of God's people astray. But then others with zeal for God and his glory would rise up and all things would be readied. Ready for a manger when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords would be born of a virgin and placed there and would live a perfect life in the place of sinners and die a death that they deserve, thus becoming the Savior of all who would trust in him. We saw these pictures in various places, didn't we? In Daniel chapter 2, we saw a statue. And that statue represented four coming kingdoms, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. Then in chapter 7, we saw those same kingdoms, didn't we? But there they were animals like a lion, a bear, a leopard and a beast with iron teeth like that of Rome. Then in Daniel chapter 9, we saw those 70 weeks, didn't we? And over the course of those 70 weeks, there was a picture of what was going to happen for about 450 years until Christ would come. And the glorious message there in Daniel's 70 weeks, there in the latter part of the final week, was that he would come. And the text says that he would do six things. Finish transgression. Make an end of sin. Make reconciliation for iniquity. Bring in everlasting righteousness. Seal up vision and prophecy and anoint the most holy. Daniel receives blessed words of hope in Christ. And then we've spent several weeks, haven't we, in the last two chapters. Again, another vision of what is going to happen from Persia to Greece all the way down to Herod the Great and his disastrous, blasphemous ways until we get to Jesus. You see, the repeated refrain of the book is, Daniel, you're in exile. Daniel, it's through you that I want you to tell your people that you're living in exile. But I have a great plan, Daniel. Here is the plan. The rulers of this world will come and go, but they will serve my purposes even in their evil. The rulers of this world are no match. For my providential hand, one word from my mouth, Daniel, will direct and orchestrate all things. Daniel, you're looking at your people. You're praying for them, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9. Your prayer is that they might know forgiveness of sins. Daniel, I'm going to send my son. And he's going to die for the sins of all who ever trust in him. 
And there will be no need, Daniel, for a temple where repeated sacrifices will be offered so that you can continually to be in cleanliness, to come into my presence. But rather, that one-time sacrifice, as the book of Hebrews says, will perfect for all time the people of God. So this is the hope that we've seen over these last months. But Daniel has a few questions, and it is those questions that we turn this morning. As the last few verses of the book indicate, Daniel is finishing the vision that he's received from chapters 10 all the way to 12. We read this, that Daniel speaks, then I, Daniel, looked. And our text speaks to Daniel's questions, at least some of them. But really to a closing answer to our opening question, what does it look like to wait? Our text today speaks to waiting during all of the time, all of the years, the prophecies that Daniel has received. So let's look there. Verse 4 has said, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Daniel, you've received the words of prophecy. Now shut the book. It has been said. It has been given. Shut the book. Not all will understand. In fact, people will run to and fro. But there will be knowledge that shall increase. You see, the people of God would be reading Daniel's words. Decades and centuries after Daniel had gone to be in his rest. So knowledge would indeed increase. Specifically, Knowledge of understanding the prophecy that Daniel has. And then we read that the book will be sealed until the time of the end. That makes many of us read that and we think, well, the book is going to be sealed all the way till our future, till the end times. That's what we call them, don't we? But here, that's not what that phrase means. Daniel has received a book of prophecies and he's told, shut them up, seal them up, and knowledge shall increase. But seal the book until the time of the end, meaning the end of all that has been prophesied. Understanding would greatly increase and would drastically come to be known when Christ comes. So the end here is the accomplishment of all that Daniel has received. Then in verse 5, Daniel says, I looked and there stood two others, one on this riverbank and the other on that riverbank. We've seen angelic beings, creatures throughout this latter half of Daniel. Perhaps one of these is Gabriel. But these figures seem to be angels. But we see a repeated theme here that we've seen all throughout the book. There Daniel sees a vision and words that come to him where? By a riverbank. All throughout the book of Daniel, his visions come at the side of a river. If you remember, weeks back, we looked at how if you just read the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to the beginning of the New Testament, there is a repeated theme of rivers all throughout the Bible. That's not the main point of Scripture. The main point of Scripture is Christ and him crucified. But continually, this theme of being by rivers, life giving rivers occurs. But then interestingly enough, we meet another figure in verse 6. We've seen this figure before. Look there with me. And one said to the man clothed in linen. Now, if you've been with us 
throughout this series, you know of whom we speak. The man in linen is also a man who stands in a particular way. How does he stand? He is not on the side of the rivers like these angels. He is above the waters. His hands are raised. Some scholars argue that you might see an allusion here to Moses in Exodus chapter 17. There's a battle and it's Moses' hands, the old covenant mediator, if you will. Standing there raised and success happens when his hands are raised. There is no one raising the hands of the man in linen. He raises his own hands. This is Christ. And it's to him that the questions are asked. Any number of individuals could be read here, but let me just read to you the words of the Puritan Matthew Henry on this passage. This is what he says, quote, to whom this question was put to the man clothed in linen of whom we've read before. Daniel 10, verse five to Christ, our great high priest who was above upon the waters of the river and whose spokesman or interpreter, the angel Gabriel, had all this while been. This river was Hittichel, Daniel 10.4. The same with Tigris, the place where about many of the events prophesied of would happen. There, therefore, is the scene laid. Hittichel, that's the river, boys and girls, was mentioned as one of the rivers that watered the Garden of Eden. Fitly, therefore, does Christ stand upon that river, for by him the trees in the paradise of God are watered. Waters signify people, and so his standing upon the waters denotes his dominion over all. He sits upon the flood, Psalm 29.10. He treads upon the waters of the sea, Job 9.8. And Christ, to show that this was he in the days of his flesh, walked upon the waters, Matthew 14.25. He was above the waters of the river. So some read it. He appeared in the air over the river, end quote. We see Matthew Henry puts his finger on a pattern that we see, a picture of Christ. But this is Christ. And the text says, and one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river. And then take note. Many of you know how to ask this question based on your current circumstances. How long? How long? You ever asked that question? Or maybe you haven't asked that question, but you've thought that question. How long, O oh Lord? How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? And then we get, in verse 7, some interesting phrases. Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. We'll get to this next phrase in a moment, but it's important for us. Notice what it says. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. So how long? When the holy people, that is God's old covenant people, and all of their power has been completely shattered. Now, we've seen that theme over and over and over and over again in this book. When would that be? Well, we see it in Daniel 7. We see it in Daniel 11. It's when, in judgment upon Israel, 
God sends the Romans and they absolutely crush the temple in 70 AD. So we're given the context of this passage. We're given the context of the time here. We don't need to open up Google today or the newspaper today to read current modern events to try to figure out if we're in Daniel's time. No, we're told when it's going to be. We're told when it's going to be over and over and over and over again in prophetic word. This is about the time between your life, Daniel, and when Christ will come and do his work and the temple is done away with and he becomes the temple of God for Jew and Gentile alike. But what is this phrase time and times and half a time and verse seven? Well, we've seen it before. Turn over a few Chapters to Daniel 7, verse 25. There we read that famous description of the Antichrist-like figure, don't we? Verse 25 of chapter 7. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. We've seen this before. Some would argue that this is a reference to Antiochus Epiphanes, but perhaps a pattern of what the Antichrists all throughout the ages would look like. And the saints will have to endure for a time and times and half a time. But you know, this phrase is one that we see again in the Bible. Turn all the way with me to the very last book of Scripture. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. There we see it again, don't we? In the chapter related to the end, we see these words. This is the woman, God's church, who brings forth Christ to the world. Notice what is said in Revelation 12, verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for. And it's almost as if John is writing under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit that Daniel was writing under the inspiration of for a time and times and half a time. What's happening in Revelation? The church is being protected in the wilderness, in exile, as it were. Protected from the great dragon who's been seen by the cross of Christ to be removed from heaven's presence and hates God and hates his saints. So this phrase, time, times and half a time, is really a kind of poetic way of writing both in the Old Testament and the New Testament of a period of time ultimately known only to God that is fully complete. It has to do with God's people and what God has in store for them. But in the book of Daniel, notice the end of verse 7 helps us to understand the time frames, the bookends. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, that is at the end of the time, times and half a times, all these things shall be finished. So Daniel says what we often say when we read Old Testament prophetic books, doesn't he? And I heard, although I heard, I did not understand. 
Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Daniel asked about the end of these things. And in verse nine, he's told to seal up the prophecy until the times of the end. Again, the end here means the completion of this prophetic word. But notice the pre-incarnate Christ says in verse 10, you go your way, Daniel, but many shall be purified, made white and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. At the very end of these prophetic words, what happens? We've seen it over and over and over again. Christ comes. He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross for sinners. He is the one that brings Israel to its ultimate goal. And how did his people receive him? We just read the book of Matthew. Most of them did wickedly and did not understand. In fact, the religious leaders of the day, what did they do when Jesus was walking the streets? Of Galilee, we're going to test him. We're going to accuse him of blasphemy. We don't believe. But there were a few, were there not, who by God's grace were purified and made white and refined. Sinclair Ferguson, writing on this very verse, says this in his commentary on Daniel, quote, the mysterious prophecy he had been given will be understood only as God unravels history. History in the unseen future. The important thing for Daniel to know is that the Lord's people will be purified and refined through these events. Whereas those committed to the destruction of God's influence will harden their hearts even more and remain in their wickedness. Despite their worldly wisdom, they will not understand God's ways. In contrast, for all the apparent confusions and contradictions of history, the wise, those who know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, will understand Proverbs 9.10. They know that if God is for them, nothing can ultimately be against them. He works everything together for the good of those who love him, Romans 8.28. The assurance that God has a purpose, that he uses the sufferings of his people to fulfill it, is all we need to know in order to trust him Fully, end quote. Go your way, Daniel. But in the midst of all of this prophetic unfolding over the next 500 years, as kings come and go, as they battle one another, as it seems as though the work of rebuilding the temple is faltering, when you see the horn come and for three and a half years do blasphemous things in the temple, Daniel, in the midst of all of these things, I am purifying and refining my people and I'm clothing them in white, white, righteous robes purchased by my son. Verse 11, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. You see, it's verses like this that sometimes cause us to be perhaps even more overly interpretive than we need to be. Some of us read words like this and we think, well, that must literally be 1,290 days. But the, the text gives us another clue as to how interpreted. Notice what it says in 11. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, 
We've seen what that abomination of desolation is, haven't we? If you weren't with us, this is when, several hundred years after Daniel, the final ruler of this ping-pong match of world rulers comes. And he enters into Jerusalem and he does wicked things. He suspends the practice of Sabbath and sacrifice. Blasphemous sacrifices were to be offered in the temple. All kinds of evil occurs for three and a half years, and many of God's old covenant people are persuaded through enticing words to follow this pagan ruler. That's the abomination of desolation. So it's interesting when Jesus and the Gospels speak of it, he uses that image to say that kind of thing that happened under Antiochus Epiphanes hundreds of years before my birth, it's something that happens again. In this case... In 70 AD. And really, symbolically, over and over and over again until Christ comes once more. So the abomination of desolation is what this text is about here at the end. And it says, And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. A couple of options are before us in terms of how to make sense of these days. If you've been following along already, you already know what the ultimate meaning of this is. My people must persevere when false rulers try to tempt them away from me and my ways. Will you persevere? Have we seen that theme before in the Bible? Well, the whole book of the Revelation is written to call what? Believers to overcome, to persevere. But these days could be interpreted in several ways. Here's one option. If you count the days, literally, it could be three and a half years of time of Antiochus Epiphanes blasphemies. And the one blessed is the one making it through that time and past it. It's one way to interpret that number. Another way to interpret that number is that it's symbolic. And here's what I mean. It's symbolic in the way that it's a figure that has meaning. For instance, 1,290 days is 430 times 3. It was 430. Well, it was the time that Israel was in the wilderness. This kind of symbolism is used in Ezekiel 4, verses 4 through 6. Same number, as a matter of fact. Turn over to Ezekiel 4. You remember that the prophet Ezekiel was told to lay down for a certain number of days. Ezekiel 4, 4. Lie on your left side. And lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days. Three hundred and ninety days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you have completed them, lie on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. Last time I checked, 390 plus 40 is 430. 
So you see, there are ways that the living God uses certain numbers as themes, as symbols, not necessarily meant to be interpreted exactly the way that we use those words today. Haven't we seen that with Daniel's weeks already? But what is this extra 45 days? There's another number, isn't there? There's 1290, and then there's 1335. This is likely a picture of making it past 1290 days. An extra 45 days. Another biblical commentator, Dale Ralph Davis, writes these words, quote, according to verse 11, the 1290 days are a time in which true worship is repressed and believers would be under pressure to engage in perverted worship. Hence, it is likely a time of intense suffering when faithfulness will come at immense cost. The most notable characteristic of the numeral numeral 1,335 is that it is longer than 1290. If then one makes it to the 1,335 days, he or she has outlasted the 1290. Such persons have endured. They outlast the pressure, the persecution, the pain. They have gone through and beyond the trouble, end quote. See, in writings about things that are to come, numbers often have symbolic meaning. And it's very challenging for us to want to try to figure out exactly what all of these numbers mean. But let's not lose the larger principle or the larger forest for the trees. The call is clear. If you put all the prophetic words together, Daniel, part of what's going to happen is that there is going to come a great blasphemous ruler and he's going to try to draw people away. He's going to pervert the worship of the living God. And not all will endure. But some will. And they will be refined. And they will be the ones clothed in white. Days are often used in prophetic Work of the future. Very figuratively. We won't turn there, but you can see this even in the book of the Revelation. Revelation 11.3. Revelation 12.6. Verse 12 then helps us. Blessed is he who waits. And then the final word of the entire book. But you go your way till the end. For you shall rest. And will arise to your inheritance. At the end of days, what are we to do at the end of the book of Daniel? We know what happens, don't we? We could look at history and see that everything that the Lord God prophesied in Daniel 11 and 12 happened. That Herod ultimately in a rage received disturbing news from the east. Hey, we have come from the east. We've seen the star of the king of the Jews and we've come to worship him. What does Herod do? There will be no king here but me. So he kills all the boys that he can get his hands on in a particular region, but he doesn't wipe out the seed of Genesis 3.15, does he? Christ comes. All of it happened. But as we move towards closing our time for now in this book, I think with these verses here, there are several ways we can apply this text. The first is this. God gives his people hopeful promises in his kindness. 
You have to really zoom out, to use the phrase that we've been using throughout our journey. You have to really zoom out to see this one. Daniel and his people were in exile. They were facing very difficult providences. It seemed as though there were very few people that were living for the living God. Later, towards the end of Daniel's life, there seems to be hope. People are returning, but again he receives news. That the progress on the wall and the temple, it's stalling. There are persecutors. Imagine Daniel's life. Living faithfully for the God that he loves. Most of his life experiencing the back and forth of crazy kings. Receiving hopeful words of what is to come. And then constantly hearing things that would cause one to wonder about whether God's people really will endure to the end. God gives Daniel, God gives us, his people, hopeful promises in the midst of all things because of his kindness. God was kind to Daniel and the Old Covenant people. God gave them promising words over and over and over and over again. This is my plan. I'm in control. I answer your prayers about your people. Some of those words were very difficult to read for the people or perhaps to receive in a vision for Daniel. Think about the words that Daniel got. People being led astray. People being killed. The abomination of desolation. And yet, brothers and sisters, don't we live in a time when the New Testament says many things will happen in our day that we will see? I don't mean miraculous things. I mean, the word of God says in many of the New Testament letters that there are going to be people who walk away from the faith. That there are going to be antichrists that come. That there are going to be persecutors to the church. What does Christ say? They hated me. They will hate you. You see, even though we are not receiving spirit-given Inspired words of Holy Scripture like Daniel, we're in a very similar situation. But the book of 1 Peter says, Christians, you are living in exile. And you will be tempted and tried for a period of time, but you will come out looking like refined gold. But Lord, what about the Antichrist? What about the persecutors? What about those who deny the faith? In the midst of all of this difficulty, God in his kindness gives us hopeful promises. Daniel is given words of prophecy to seal up. Much have to do with events that would happen between his time and the first coming of Christ. But the ideas and themes we as Christians living in 2022 can apply to our own time. We don't necessarily need to expect that another Antiochus Epiphanes will rise. But Thessalonians tells us what? There will be spirits of Antichrist. There will be others who come. And they will seek to pull God's people away. They will pervert worship. They will deny the gospel. But God in his kindness has given to us, his people, even today, hopeful promises because he is kind. He is kind. But another way to apply these is this. Number two. God's people are purified during and by the difficult waiting. 
You remember the question of the end of this book, don't you? How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Verse 10, again, many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. As we wait for the next and final coming of Christ, we will be purified as we wait in exile. I know that we keep saying that we're in exile. But is that a biblical idea? I'll turn over for just a moment to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Peter, boys and girls, that's the Peter who was the disciple of Jesus, who followed him around for three years writes a letter to a group of Christians kind of scattered throughout the known world about 30 years after Jesus died on the cross. These are Jews and these are Gentiles. Just listen to his words. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims, many of your translations will say exiles, to the pilgrims, exiles, strangers, sojourners of the dispersion, and then he lists the regions, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So you're exiles. You live 30 years after Christ died for sins and you're called exiles, pilgrims, people living in a place that's not their ultimate home. And what is it going to look like for them? Well, Peter continues. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Sounds like Daniel. In this you greatly rejoice though now Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, what I'm about to say, I believe, is absolutely the truth that we see in God's word. But it is a difficult one sometimes for us to swallow. And at the risk of qualifying it, I almost feel compelled to look at each of you and say, I don't know all that you're going through, but I'm not going to qualify it. But know in love that I understand that many of you feel as though you are at your wit's end. That these various trials aren't just various, they're plentiful. But the Word of God says that there is soon coming a day when you will actually be thankful that God refined you through trials because you will be shimmering in the presence 
of Almighty Christ because He allowed you to go through difficult times of purification as an exile. Can you imagine that? What difficulties are you currently going through? In some sense, on the other side of eternity, they will be by you almost like a sweet grace that God refined you. But fire burns. Heat is hot. And it hurts. Peter says to Gentiles after Jesus, and through Daniel we receive words regarding the old covenant people before Jesus, many shall be purified, made white and refined. But the wise shall understand. This idea of God's people being purified by the difficult waiting is something that we see here in verse 10 as well as in verse 12. Blessed is he who waits. You're waiting in the midst of trial or many trials, but you're waiting for Christ. You're pursuing him by his grace and by his spirit. You're not content in the midst of your trials and pain to let sin overtake you. But your life so often feels as though you can't wake up the next morning and say once more, how long, O Lord? Do you know what the scripture says about you who waits? Here in Daniel and in the book of the Revelation. Blessed. Blessed is he who waits. Well, a third and final point as we close. God will bring his promised resurrection to those who are his. We've seen this idea of resurrection before. If you remember in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, there was a picture of the fact that at the end of all of this prophetic word, there was going to be a new spiritual resurrection, which Christ would bring, pictured as the old covenant people coming to life. We see it in the book of Ezekiel. We see it in Daniel and Gentiles being engrafted in with them in this new covenant work. This resurrection is a spiritual resurrection. But we also see this theme of resurrection, don't we, here at the very last verse. Daniel, go your way till the end. For you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Two potential things are going on here. Some scholars perhaps are inclined to argue, and I think there's something to this, that the old covenant people of God rested. They rested in Abraham's bosom. They were not in purgatory. They were not in a place of torment or paying for sin. But those that had faith in the coming Christ and the old covenant rested separate from the wicked, but that when Christ came and died on a cross, and as the creed said, descended to hell not to suffer or pay for sin, but he brought with him in his ascension all of the saints of old who had been waiting for his work to be completed. 
And he opened up the very gates of heaven in God's presence to them. Perhaps that's what's happening here. Daniel, go your way. Your rest will come. And at the end of these days, when Christ comes and does all that he does, you will see your inheritance. Of course, you don't even have to go that far, do you? You could simply look at this as a wonderful benediction. Daniel, you will rest. But one day you will see. You will see all of this face to face and you will rise. Brothers and sisters, this is a word of benediction that could be given to any Christian. Go your way. In the midst of being in exile, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trial, in the midst of the joys of God's people and the hurts as you look around the world and see news of brothers and sisters seemingly faltering and wicked rulers coming and going and wondering if God's people will stay together. Go your way. In the hope that you will soon rest. You will rest. And, and here is the hope that presses us all in. You will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. What a powerful way for this book to end. Are you in Christ? Do you know him? Do you believe that he has suffered and died in your place for your sins? Are you looking for his return? Daniel's benediction then is yours. Go your way. You will rest. And one day, you will rise. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we wait in exile, in your kindness you've given us words of promise, just like you did to Daniel. And we don't know every detail of history that is yet to come. But we do know that he will come. And that at the end of the days, living Christ by the word of your lips, you will send forth your angels to gather your elect from the four corners of the globe. And we will rise. And our souls will be reunited with our bodies, glorified bodies. And we will forever reign with you, living Christ. The King of kings and Lord of lords. The one over whom history has no control. For it is your story. And we pray that as we suffer in exile, perhaps increasingly, you would give us the blessed hope. That you would persevere us by your spirit. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.